Have you tried this chat? This chat, open AI no. chat. No. It's really interesting. So, I, I might, we might use this for like creating can you, bios. Can you ask it to redo our website? Well, yes. So, well, get this. So I was thinking, what could, what could, what could we use this for right away? And I was thinking like the hardest thing to do for me is, you know, I get the stuff and then I go, shit, what bio do I write? And I'm not a writer. So I would usually take, you know, maybe what's on Wikipedia or their website or their EPK. That's an electronic press kit for you young folk. And um, I would just use that. But... I said, let me test this. And then I said, okay, what can I? So I typed in, what is Sass Jordan's bio? And so for Sass Jordan, Sass Jordan is a Canadian rock singer, songwriter, and actress. Born on January 23rd, 1962, she rose to fame in the late 1980s and early 1990s with her powerful and soulful voice, becoming one of the most prominent female rock singers of her generation. And there's two other paragraphs that that they gave me. Um, who was Brad Merritt from 5440? They gave me like six lines. Decent. You know, Brad Merritt is a bass guitarist for the Canadian rock band 5440. The band was formed in 1981 and has since released several albums and become one of the most popular rock bands in Canada. Merritt joined the band in 2000. It has been a member since. That's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Have you asked it who is Cream Kanji? Who is Kareem Kanji? <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't find any significant information on a person named Kareem Kanji. It's possible. That this person may not be well known or that the name is misspelled. Okay, hold on. Can you provide more context or details? Hold on, watch. Who is Kareem Kanji from Let me see. Let's see if it, see what information it reads. <laughs> They're just making shit up now. <laughs> so I said, who is Kareem Kanji from Active International? Kareem Kanji is a businessman and the founder and CEO of Active International. <laughs> oh, look at you. You're moving up fast. You just got your new title and now you're CEO. Hold on. Who is Greg Tilston? Greg Tilston is a Canadian singer-songwriter and guitarist. He is Canadian? Best, he is best known for his work as a solo artist performing a blend of roots, blues, and country music. Tilston was born in 1965 in St. John, New Brunswick and grew up in a musical family learning to play guitar and sing at a young age he has released several albums over the years including solo flight and no more goodbyes and has been recognized for his songwriting and performance skills throughout his career tilston has toured extensively across canada and europe performing at festivals clubs and theaters he has collaborated with many musicians and has been praised for his ability to blend different musical styles into a unique and powerful sound 
Tilston continues to perform and record music as, and is considered one of the most talented and influential musicians in Canada. How? Wh who is this person? And what? Why, why have we not heard about him? Interesting. What? This doesn't make any sense. Like I said, you know, just reading that Brad Merritt one, it was like, oh, this is wrong. Have you found anything online about Greg Tilston, No More Goodbyes? Oh, let me see. <clears throat> Greg Tilston, musician, No More Goodbyes. No, nothing. <laughs> like, what the heck? Did they just make shit up here? So how much are you going to use this program to... I guess not. <laughs> Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hey, I'm Story with two R's, and this is Welcome to the Music. Welcome, 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 Story. It's uh, so great to have you on a second time. Yeah, it's and, awesome to be here. And I will tell you, one of the best nuggets I've ever had during this entire podcast was discovering the Canadian Idol bit. And I don't have something like that to throw <laughs> at you today. So I'm just telling you, you got not easy today. Thanks. I'm Greg, glad my past isn't going to haunt me. <laughs> Greg has been living off of that that mm -hmm. one question. 100%. <laughs> like forever. 100%. Like he's like the number one research guy ever of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I, I have to ask you this. Uh, Greg and I were just testing out this. You've heard of this chat this open AI chat, this thing that you ask it questions, you ask it to do something. Like if you ask it to write a song, it'll write a song for you. Have no. you have you seen this? No, I haven't. Have no. you checked it out? No? No. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, we just we just we were just playing around and one of the we're he asked like Sass Jordan, you know, if could we pull a bio of Sass, for example, who was on our show previously. And looked up who Cream Kanji is, and there was nothing. There's nothing. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to to make fun of them. I'm not saying that. I have nothing. I'm just like there was nothing. And then he asked who asked it. Who is Greg Tilston? And it went on about this musician out of New Brunswick. And I was thinking as he's talking about this, there is the folk singer songwriter who's a distant cousin, Steve Tilston, out of the UK, and. I honestly like I was I was like, okay, it must be talking about Steve. But as he's going on, it's this whole thing and it's naming the songs that he's most famous for, and he's one of the most influential Canadian musicians. It made and, shit and, up. And and there's nothing. There's like literally like nothing. <laughs> one of the most influential singer-songwriters in Canada. Like, what? How come we haven't heard of this person? We start Googling That's this person. So funny. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Gotta love AI. That's 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 <laughs> what we were doing just before you came on. Uh, Story, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. You're 
you've you've accumulated like I don't know thousands, hundreds of thousands of air miles uh, in in 2022. You've you've been traveling a lot. Um, you just got back from touring Western Canada. How was that? It was awesome. Um, I got to co-headline with Tanika Charles, and she is fabulous, and her band is fabulous, and actually. Her band, coincidentally, um, has played on the new album that I'm finishing right now. So, right. Um, yeah, her bassist and her drummer and guitarist, <laughs> they all had played on it. So it was very interesting. Um, it was nice. It was nice being on tour. It felt like we'd all known each other for a very long time. Cool. And this and this new album, is this chapter, chapter two? two? Yeah, the prequel. One? The prequel. Yes. No, no, it's not called the prequel, but yeah, it's the but prequel. But it is a prequel? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Good, good. Well, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that. But but tell me, like, how was it, like, where did you visit in Western Canada? What cities, what towns did you play in? Um, we were on the island of Vancouver, so we did two stops there in Sydney and then Courtney. And then we did one in Burnaby, which is just outside of Vancouver. And then we went to Edmonton and then um, Tinika and I split up and she went to Calgary and I went to Saskatoon. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and how was it, how was it playing in these, like, I don't know, I don't want to say small towns because uh, some of them are not small. Some of them are small, but how was it playing Western Canada? You've done Montreal, you've done Toronto. Um, how was it playing in a different part of Canada? I mean, it was great. I, I, I love BC. I think it's just so beautiful. My first time going there was actually to uh, record and produce this next album. And um, so I'd never been there before and I've spent quite a bit of time there now. And so I have an affinity uh, ah. to it. So, it, it, I mean, obviously the weather's better. And uh, <laughs> so the people tend to be warmer. They want to hug you more and stuff, which I love. I <laughs> love right. hugging. <laughs> um but you know the music resonates wherever i go okay. um and so it's really awesome to see that like even outside of a big city it can still resonate and so it was it was lovely i wouldn't say that the that it was received any differently the shows um okay. and i got to enjoy the landscape quite a bit Nice. Audiences are, are the same or, or do you find there's different types of audiences, Western Canada, big cities in Canada? Um, I don't know if you had a chance to, to play any live shows in the UK or anywhere else. I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, the, I would say in comparison to the UK, like the UK is a bit more reserved on their responses. I find, oh. um, you know, People will love it and I'll see their expressions and, and they're very enthused, but they'll just kind of like nod at you and smile and be like, that was great. And just like kind of walk away because they're kind of shy or something. I'm not really sure. Okay. But, um, uh, you know, during this tour, it was lovely because people, they, they did, they came up, they, some people shared some really important disclosures and some oh. really like heavy things about their life and they were telling me that the music was very healing and most of them had actually never heard of me before and so um it was their first time really listening to the music so that was really exciting to see um such a 
a, a transformation in people um so quickly and um it was it was just great like um i but i feel like and north americans are a bit more forthright about their feelings about things than than mm. the uk that's interesting that's that's yeah I, anyway sorry i have a conversation i had today about family dynamics and my family proper british the feelings shared and not anyway sorry i'm just having a a whole uh whole moment to discuss that earlier today um one, one of the things i wanted to ask you about touring and and you know we've talked to a number of musicians as people are starting to and artists starting to get back into it again up till now it's been how you doing during covid and now we're getting on the other side of the pandemic knock mm -hmm. on wood and uh like some people are saying that even though we're getting back to live music, it's still not the same as before. How did you find that experience while being on tour? Well, I didn't really get to tour properly this okay. album. And and so I, I don't really know what it was like before. Okay. Um, I can know, I, I knew what it was like to go to events before. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that, yes, it does feel different. Yeah. Um, people are still afraid to to go out i i did mm -hmm. notice quite a few people still wearing their masks and um distancing and stuff like that so it's mm -hmm. definitely harder um in that in that regard but i think that um people have been craving that connection with people and so yeah. doing live music even if it doesn't you know feel exactly the same for the performer it's it's very necessary it needs to happen and and people will warm up and they'll get they'll start coming out more and more um we just need to give everybody some time i think mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure now you you didn't tour the album but you got recognized for the album story you nominated for yeah. a a juno award how how was was that i think you were nominated alongside was it Celine Dion? I can't remember now. Yeah, Celine and, and Alanis Morissette, which is crazy, you know, childhood mm -hmm. idols. So it was huge. Yeah. Um, it was a really a bittersweet moment for me, actually. Um, it was amazing because I absolutely like grew up like learning basically how to sing from Celine Dion. <laughs> and then, you know, to be nominated alongside these legends was just so uh, I was so honored, but it was bittersweet in the sense that like, you know, I'd never really toured it. It wasn't, yeah. you know, I didn't have a lot of support. I've been doing everything on my own in terms of even just management and, and distribution and everything. And so to kind of feel like, you know, these people have these huge teams with millions of dollars and I'm still like poor in my room. And, you know, like, it's just, it was, conf it's confusing. Mm. Um, so I kind of put my head down and was like, okay, what does this mean? This validates me in some way. This validates that, you know, even though the numbers and all that aren't what they need to be to get me recognized in terms of the industry, there is still something really, um, you know, the Junos, which is which is the industry has said that it's good enough to be there so yeah um that gave me some confidence to go okay well i need to do something more with this i think the pandem pandemic really like stifled the, this release and so that's why i made a deluxe version of the album ah. because i thought well 
it really needs to be seen and heard. And so I'm going to make a, a, it kind of refresh it and uh, put it out again so that I can actually tour it this time around. Ah, and, and so was this Western tour, was that part of, you know, getting out and, and, and introducing people to you, the album, yeah. the songs and, and the extra songs that you put on it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And, and what, like, so what's, what's next in terms of this particular album? Cause you've got a, a, a second one uh, mm -hmm. on its way. So what's, what's, what other plans do you have for, for this one? Well, I'll be probably releasing the first single of the next record um, in the springtime. Um, okay. And as that kind of trickles out, I'll still be performing yeah. this album and the deluxe version of it um, across Canada and the UK and maybe even the States um, for the rest of the year, probably. That's, uh, I think just people need to see the live performance and, and get that experience because it's really very different from the album you know just just digitally like it's really an experience to be had and so i want to give that to more people and it seems to be resonating as i've said and, and transforming people and healing people and so i want to just keep doing as much of that as i can yeah I, I'm, I'm wondering if you'd be able to share you know you talked about you know being nominated was was a bittersweet moment in terms of you know, that this was a, you know, DIY project, essentially, and, you know, you're going up against people that have machines and have teams behind them. Um, I'm really curious, like, you know, you're at the Junos and people are, might be asking who is, who is Story? Like, who is this person? Um, and people are, you know, I guess in the industry, you know, checking out your music and, and being introduced to it like are there do you start you know putting your shoes on and start hustling and try like are you are you interested in labels are you interested in the machine of of, of canadian music or like i'm, I'm really curious are, are people knock we're knocking on your door are you knocking on people's doors like what was that about if you're able to share well i think i was frustrated because people were not knocking on my door and it was now my second nomination. And I said, well, what are you guys doing? Are you sleeping? Like, I don't understand. I feel like swearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was very upset in that sense. Um, and that's why I kind of just put my head down and I started writing a bunch of grants and I was like, okay, we're in a lockdown. Like, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to get grants because if I can't get people to, you know, believe in me, you know, in, in, Hmm. you know, after this, these two June nominations, then I don't really know what to do. I'm going to need to hire people. So I need money. So I started, yeah. I put my head down, I got a bunch of grants. And um, now actually things are going quite well. Like I feel like I'm slowly starting to get a team together. And I'm not like opposed to anything. I like I'm not opposed to labels. I'm not opposed to the machine. I'm not opposed to all these things. I just want to have artistic integrity and like, um, ownership of what I'm doing. So if I'm going to do anything with a bigger entity, um, I want to be a partner and not be owned essentially. Mm. Like that's, that's very important for me because I have a very clear vision and I've done all of this stuff on my own. So, um, you know, I'm not really interested in somebody coming in and telling me how to do everything. Like I want mm. somebody who's going to come in and love everything that I'm doing and just want to, uh, give it a bigger platform, essentially. 
Wow. So if that happens, great. But if not, you know, I'm I'm building a business, uh, a new business model for myself that can work outside of that machine. Yeah. And and as you're building that, like, you know, how is it changing for you as you're bringing on other people? You know what I mean? Like you've, you've really done a lot of it. And when we got together last time, it was a lot just you, you know, and you mentioned you're starting to be able to bring on other people to support. Like how, how has that changed and what are you able to hand off? Well, um, I'm, I'm able to hand off a lot of the admin, you know, yeah. like 90% of my life was admin and I wasn't able to spend as much time in the studio or performing or doing those things because I was doing all of the emails, all of the meetings. Um, there wasn't a buffer between me and like somebody else who I would be, you know, signing a contract with potentially. And, and that's important. Like it's not, I think um, when you're working directly with these kind of like businessy minded people, um, they, I think, tend to exploit artists a little bit because they think that, okay, well, this person really wants this. So we're going to like, you know, um, turn mm. the charm up or whatever and um, kind of make you feel bad if you ask for anything more. But like having that buffer of like a manager or something that's going to stand there and be like, no, actually, like, we really need this. And um, this is her worth and we're not settling for anything less than this. It's, it's a really important thing. And so not having that for so many years was quite difficult. And so I'm very happy now to have found a manager that, you know, um, really believes in me and believes in my worth and is is going to ask for that and demand that. And if, if the other person is not willing to, you know, give us that, then we move on. It's like, well, yeah. okay, then then you don't believe in this and that's fine. And we'll just find somebody else to work with. There's many fish in the sea. But, you know, it's it's really having that mindset of like, um, of, of abundance and not scarcity. Because there's a lot of this idea that there's only so many spaces and there's only, you know, and there's so much competition and there's so much noise. And you just have to continuously tell yourself like, no, I'm me. There's only one of me. Nobody can do what I do. And so as long as I remember that, then I never have to compare myself or compete, quote unquote. I just have to continue being my authentic self and filling that part of the market that is not being filled because no one else can be me. So, um, but yeah, it's very nice now to have more space to do more creative things. I definitely still have my hands in a lot of things that I still don't really want to do. Like, you know, um, social media, for instance, I'm not really like a social media person. Like I can't wait to have somebody take care of that side of things for me. But, um, do you need, do you need a TikTok person? Cause Greg uh, is, no, 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 no. Greg I is was awesome. going, no, no, no. <laughs> I, awesome no, I was TikTok. going to say if you want a TikTok or no. a Snap person, Kareem's the guy that you need Craig. to bring on board. He <laughs> is the guy. You should. Greg. Greg is. Greg has got some juice. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I have to say this story. Your, you, your email campaign. I, I'm guessing that you set that up a couple of years ago or maybe longer. That is phenomenal. Thank um, you. Every time I get an email, it's like it almost feels like oh, she sent it just to me. The way it just Good. it just is is awesome. Mm. Um, and you are so right. Like whoever's listening to this, if you haven't seen Story perform live, 
you're only getting a piece of her because um, I had a chance story. I, I think it was this past summer where you played, I think, the Toronto Jazz Fest. Was it the Toronto Jazz Fest? Yeah, that yeah, you played? yeah. Yeah, I remember um, seeing you there. And you, you did opera at the beginning. Yeah. And that just floored me. <laughs> you know, because you're, you're up there, you've got, you know, there's a couple of guitarists, I think, you've got a drummer, there's someone on keys, um, you know, and so we're expecting, okay, da, da. and then you just start and it's opera. It's like, what? And if people <laughs> don't know your story, they're like, holy shit, you know, uh, yeah. this person's got some pipes uh, and that like just phenomenal um, and a great performance. That was like outstanding but then you played montreal tell us about uh the montreal jazz fest well that was so much fun um it was the biggest stage and the biggest crowd i'd, I'd ever played for um you know that space fills maybe about fifteen thousand people so maybe there was just a, a little under that and um i was playing just before corinne bailey ray who was the headliner that night and so and it was a beautiful day july 1st like people oh. are just out and they're enjoying this beautiful weather and um it was just phenomenal and honestly like i'd thought about okay maybe i need to like pare down my story because you know it's a festival setting people are in and out they're not really staying for the whole show and trying to like take in the story but I was like, no, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be myself and I'm going to just do what I do and we'll see if they like it or not. And I was very pleased to see that like people really resonated with the show. Like people stayed for the entirety of the show. Um, even the the tech crew told me after that they had like goosebumps and they were like, we've played so many festivals and we've never heard an audience be so attentive. Like they were so quiet when you came on that stage. And so it was really amazing. Like I just, oh. I remember getting off stage and like being in tears of like, cause it was just such a great moment in my career. That is awesome. That is really, really good. I was, I was wondering about that. You know, it's one thing to play a big crowd, but it's another thing to, I guess for the audience to connect with your music and then for you to sort of, you know, feed off of that as well. Yeah. And then after the show, like I was um, two hours, I was signing people's CDs and vinyls. And wow. I, I heard back from the people who, you know, run the, the Montreal Jazz Fest. And apparently I sold the second highest in merch in, in the entire festival. Um, and I definitely only had like maybe 80 to 100 people who actually knew who I was in that crowd. So it was amazing that that was the case, you know. Oh, that's fantastic. So I guess you're going back again this year. I mean, inshallah, you know, like I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It's interesting you say that. My, my cousin and I were in northern Pakistan many, many years ago, and we would use we would say inshallah as a polite way of saying no, but you definitely want to go. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. Every time he says that to me, you know, he lives in the UK now. Every time he says that to me, I say, so you're saying no, right? Like if, if I ask you a question. <laughs> That's so funny. 
It's true. It, it sometimes is used that way. But no, when I use it, I actually mean like, may the universe or God or whatever you call this, yeah. you know, universal consciousness. Uh, I hope that it happens. That's that's how I use it. Oh, absolutely. That's for sure. Um, you talked about selling vinyl and CDs with with the deluxe uh, edition of the come up and with uh chapter two run coming out mm -hmm. is that still something you want to do provide vinyl provide cds provide other um channels outside of digital that people can can uh find your music and consume it definitely i think the deluxe will um just be digital for now um but the next album, I plan to have vinyl and CD available. I just, yeah. there was something about it that just having, listening to a record on vinyl is just different, you know, and touching the pages of the booklet and reading the lyrics and all of that. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm old school. Like I like, I like that experience. I think there's some, you know, you talk about, you know, I I like it because I could read about people, you know, even your thank yous, which is like all of this is, <laughs> yeah. is like is like thank yous to people, you know, interesting just to read, you know, who are the people that helped you along the way. But I wanted to ask you this because you, you say so, you probably get asked about this or maybe not. But you said something at the end, um, and it was almost like an F you to people. Yeah, um, it was. But, but, but the, <laughs> the Junos never read it. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, do you mind if I read this? Is that okay with sure, you? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. To every label, A&R, manager, publisher, person with clout, a word of caution. Numbers can and do lie. Call me if you have any questions. Um, so here's my question story like what is what did that mean for you like why why did you put that in there um one because nobody really was like helping me like i i applied so many times for funding i applied so many times for like you know assistance i i networked my ass off and i wasn't really getting anywhere and i was frustrated and so i had to create that album in six days three days to produce it Whoa. and three days to record all of the vocals for 11 songs i nearly lost my voice after those three days and i'd never produced a record before so to produce 11 songs in three days like you can imagine it didn't come out exactly as i'd hoped but that's what the resources I had. And so that's what I mean by it, like be, me being validated, even though it wasn't yeah. what I considered to be my best work because I didn't have many resources to, for it to be nominated was such a huge thing. But um, it, I'm, I'm still experiencing this exhaustion of like hmm. numbers and this idea that like you need to have Spotify numbers and you need to have um, social media following for you to be, a, a valuable artist and it's just wrong first of all if you're a part of a if you're signed to a label um one of my friends was telling me that their artist was signed to this canadian label and um so they were promised at, with each release that they would be on three playlists 
I'm not promised to be on those playlists when yeah. I'm an independent artist. And in fact, hmm. I think I've been on a playlist once, like an editorial playlist one time. Wow. Um, and it was just for like a couple of weeks. So if you look at my numbers compared to another person who now has released something and it has all of these streams because they've been put on three editorial playlists by the label, then my numbers are going to look so much less than that person. But does that mean people are enjoying that music more? Not necessarily. I have a friend who has 250,000 monthly listeners. And he said to me, he can't fill a room in Toronto the way that I can because he can't access those fans. They're passive listeners who are just liking Mm -hmm. the song on a playlist because it's chill and they can vibe out to it while they're working out or because, or while they're hanging out with friends, but they're not active fans who actually want to go and spend money. And because Spotify is a black hole in terms of data, they can't access those people to turn them into fans in terms of marketing. Mm -hmm. So so what does that mean right what do these numbers mean on spotify and especially if people can buy streams as well or they can buy numbers then what does that mean as well so then we have to look more at okay so then they'll go okay well what about the social media similar to social media if you started in social media early you probably have more numbers than somebody who started later because the algorithms also changed drastically similar to soundcloud my friend was saying that he had a soundcloud um and before soundcloud was super had a great community and so he got a bunch of numbers and because he started on spotify sooner than everybody else his numbers are a lot better because it was easy for him easier for him to get an editorial playlist and those editorial playlists um previously like even five years ago garnered a lot more numbers than they do now because there's more playlists now and there's more saturation in the market so all that to say is that like it's it doesn't really mean quality it doesn't really mean engagement of the music it doesn't really mean that people can put butts in seats at shows it really means very little and i think the problem is is that people want a very quick snapshot of what something is because One, yes, there is a lot of music coming out and people don't want to have to sieve through a ton of crap to like get to something good. Um, So it's kind of like an endorsement. So if you don't have somebody telling you that this person is good, then you can look at their numbers and hope that that equals good. Um, But I also think it's because people are lazy and they don't want to do the work. It's like, no, go to somebody's show. That will tell you. Just go to the show. Get your butt off from in front of the tv and go to the show and you'll know then you can decide on your own don't look at this this other shit that doesn't matter you know um that's what i think yeah all right <laughs> that's why so not sure where you stand on all this but okay um, <laughs> um so 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 how do you or your advice to other up and coming artists, how do you break through that? Well, I think you don't pander to what the labels are pandering to. Like, I know of an artist, for instance, who's an indie artist, and uh, she has 2,000 monthly listeners, but she sold 100,000 CDs through her email list um, because hmm. she. Hmm 
she creates a fan base there because she has direct yeah. access to her fans there and she can make much more money. Doesn't show that she's making all of that on, on Spotify because nobody is really, not as many people are listening on there as they are on her vinyls and, you know, so our CDs or whatever she's selling. So I think that it's really, if you want to be an indie artist, I think you just have to think of creative ways to like, um, access your fans directly and not have to necessarily be on Spotify um, all the time, like, and, and worry about those numbers. Like mm -hmm. if you blow up and an editorial playlist picks you up and whatever, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that will help you. But it, if it doesn't, that you're not relying on it solely, like it shouldn't be your business model. That's not where you're going to make money. Yeah. You know, you're not making yeah. money from your streams. You make, pennies even if you're making millions of streams it's still not a ton of money you need to have another source of income so it, yeah. whether it's your email list and you're selling merchandise or you're selling services or you're promoting your shows or all of the above um you know having i was speaking to another artist and they were like yeah we have like a jewelry thing as well oh. that's like a part of our merch but it's not necessarily part of the albums it's just on our website as well or on tour with us and then sometimes people will pick a piece of jewelry or you know just having creative ways to kind of realize that your music is really more of a commercial now for all mm. the other things that you're that's going to actually fund your livelihood and allow you to make your next album yeah. and so that's okay. what i've kind of just been focusing more on it and i'm not trying to uh, you know, pander to such big platforms and who knows, like maybe like SoundCloud, Spotify is in 10 years is not going to be relevant anymore and it's going to be another platform. So that's another issue. It's like you can build so much importance, but like Facebook, like no one's on Facebook anymore. You built your, your fan base there and now they have all the information of those people, but you don't have as much access to them as Facebook has to them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's fascinating because listening to, I mean, you're talking like a marketer and a merchandiser, which to, I think is what you're saying. Young and up and coming artists need to be thinking about versus like, it reminds me of, yeah. And it reminds me, honestly, it reminds me of when I was a musician in the, you know, early nineties and late eighties, early nineties. And, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have Spotify. We didn't have anything. And you were out hustling. You were, you were, you know, we were out in Durham. So out in Whitby. And so we were selling beer buses at Durham college and we'd bring in two buses to Lee's palace on a Friday night. And Craig loved us because we, brought in a captive audience that stayed there the whole time. And that's what it was about, right? It's about the marketing and the merchandising. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's hustle. Um, and so I guess, yeah, you're right. If, if you don't have the machine behind you to get the Spotify listens and, and to your point of your, your friend, you know, you still, you still have to hustle. You still have to hustle. Sorry. I just, I went on a, a rant there. But no, no, it's it's exactly that. And I think the word hustle is probably taken a bit better um, by the arts community than the idea of marketing. Like mm -hmm. you use the word marketing um, with somebody who is an artist and they just cringe. And even when I hear it, I'm like cringing a little too. But um, I mean, marketing isn't doesn't have to be disingenuous. 
Like it's still, yeah. it's, it's just a way for you to get people to, to hear the message that they need to hear. You know, it's not selling them something that they don't need. It's, it's trying to get them to hopefully listen to something that they actually want to listen to and experience and that will change them. Yeah. Um, sometimes people don't know that that's what they need. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent certain that, that a lot of the people who came to that tour that I was on had no idea what they were going to experience and they left feeling, you know, changed from that and, and happy for that experience that they, they were like, I'm so glad that I came out today, you know, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't have known had, you know, there not been posters and uh, emails and um, Instagram posts and all of that. So um, as much as I don't like doing it, I have to think of myself as a business. And so I encourage yeah. other independent mm -hmm. artists, like think of yourself as a business. Don't think of yourself just as an artist, because unfortunately that's not going to help you fund the rest of your art and the more resources you have the more art you can make Absolutely. awesome story uh chapter two is coming out yeah run uh can you can you give us like a, a sneak peek can you tell us you know what we can expect yes ish um i put a group of producers together, myself and a few others. And so sonically, it is um, quite different from chapter three, but it is closer to the vision that I had in terms of like, if I had resources, I would have probably huh. produced chapter three like this, but um, you know, everything in its due time. And so I found some really awesome people to work with. And, you know, that will all be disclosed when it comes out. And, um, but it was lovely. We, we went to Vancouver to record out there. And so I was out there for about a month and a half and um, flew in a bunch of people over there. And um, it was such a different experience from the first time that I recorded. So I actually had enough days in the studio to not nice. feel like I'm rushing. Um, we had a harpist, we had a quartet, we had a French horn, we had drums, guitar, you know, like we had all of the things. Um, and so it was really awesome to have people who do the best at what they do, do it, you know, and, and me not try to have to like, figure it out on my own in some like cheaper version way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and basically conceptually the album is the prequel to chapter three. So chapter three is, it really is more about the parallels between the music industry and the sex industry. Whereas chapter two is more about um, my healing journey after being sex trafficked. And so um mm it kind of starts out the first song is kind of like a last supper and so basically i'm saying to my trafficker my abuser like i i, I love you you know at this point I, I loved this person and but i i need to to leave i i have to leave this is enough you know mm -hmm. and so that that the album takes you on this journey of healing um which as we all know is non-linear 
And so it's up and down and all around. It's a roller coaster ride. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much um, the concept. And you'll just have to to wait to hear what it is. It's it's magical, I think. Like for me, it's it doesn't really fit in a genre. Okay. Uh, I don't think my first album did either, but it probably did a little bit more than this record. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of, when people ask me, like, what does it sound like? What is it, you know, how do you compare it? I, I say it's kind of like um, if you were to imagine, like, the musical theatrical components of, like, Queen, Mm. Um, but instead of it being under the rock umbrella, it being under more of an R&B soul umbrella. Mm. Um, and it's kind of a new genre and kind of how Bjork kind of had her own genre, you know, that, that is just. Just Bjork. Bjork. Yeah. Like you can't really compare it to things. I feel like it's a similar thing. Mm. Um, and and when can we expect the album? you might have to wait you may have to wait about a year from now okay yeah i saw Mm. i think it was i think it was on your TikTok. it might have been your instagram stories uh chin and jetty was he one of the producers i I saw him i think and how was it working with him it was good it was good um he had a part to play in two of the records uh songs on the record and um he's a very lovely human so we had a nice we had a nice time awesome that is so good um yeah could you hear my dog bark i apologize for that Um, you're being polite you're being polite story I messaged him in the background. I was, is that Mateo? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> he's like a tiny. He's like he fits in your in my pocket. Yeah, but he thinks he thinks he's a lion. Um, story. We're we're gonna we're gonna sort of break the fourth wall here, if if that's what they call it. Um, you're gonna sing for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't know me. Tell us about this song. It's it's on uh it's on the come up it's also on the deluxe edition of the come up mm-hmm. tell us what the song is about um it's a, basically about all the different sides of me um and you know people generally we all even put ourselves in boxes mm-hmm. and it's kind of saying no you can't put me in a box i'm all of these different things and um i won't be confined to a space basically Awesome. Here is story. You don't know me. I got a lot of drive. I got a lot of stakes in the back seat of my car. I got a lot of lines. Can play a lot of tricks in the back seat of the bar. And everybody say, hey, yeah. Trying to catch my spark to light their cigar Got a little smart, got a little hard Got a little sharp, got a lot of heart Daddy say, bye back them sharks And he don't bag You did them cards for them boys For them boys, for them boys If don't wanna play with you Tell these motherfuckers for the last time Baby, 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 baby Ooh, 
shake a lot of hands and dance it every single night. I just put on a smile. Lot of bitter lashes, ain't nobody putting up a fight, and everybody say, hey, yeah, to me. Cause they all want a piece of that pretty round pie Finger licking good, I got a lot of class and little hood But I'm largely misunderstood in Daddy say, buy back them shirts You deal them cards in All these boys, all these boys Walk around like they want your hand But they wanna get it in If don't wanna play with you Take these motherfuckers for the lands down Baby, 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 baby Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that Thank story. You. I really appreciate Thank you. it. What's up with the UK? You go there quite often. Is that is that just another home for you? Is there is there uh, inspiration that you get from there? I'm curious. Um yeah, I you know, so I have a a Greek passport and um I decided to move there before Brexit um didn't allow european citizens to go there and since it was during the pandemic um i thought okay well nothing's really happening here so i might as well like go and try a new market and see what the art scene is like there and and i really like it so now i split my time between canada and the uk okay hmm. awesome so you're enjoying it i'm assuming if you're going back and forth I am. I have like a, a group of friends there now too. So I have like my little community in, in Toronto and then I have a little community now that I've built in Vancouver and I have a community in London. And so it's nice. I, I bounce between them. Yeah. What are you finding is the difference between the scenes? Like, like what are you getting from the UK that you're not, not getting from here, but you know what I mean? Like, like, it's just different. I mean, yeah. the the genres of music are different. The approach is different. It's just, it's just different. I wouldn't necessarily say one is better than yeah. the other. Um, and uh, I think because I still love all of these places and all of the people I've met in all of these places, and that's why I'm still moving around. I haven't really found a place that I was like, this is my home. Like, I feel like I'm mm -hmm. still quite nomadic. All right. They just sounded like a a Paul McCartney song, a Beatles song, all these places yeah. that they're song. 
Anyways, I can't. I I I do not. Have You're not going to break out a guitar, are you? No, no, it's, it's <laughs> too high. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pick that up. Um, story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for for, having for, me. for joining us today. Um, Greg, I think you've got a couple. I always interrupt yeah, when Greg I, wants to ask yeah, a question. Yeah, no. I um, one of the things that I'd really like to know is, you know, what what are you listening to lately that other people should be checking out? I always like to ask our guests that. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> that is hard question. I'm very bad with names, and okay. I've been listening to um, a lot of just like indie artists that people have been kind of um recommending mm -hmm. um but i've been so busy that i haven't really gotten to take in things more than once so to remember the people's names and such mm -hmm. um in terms of like a more famous person um I've, i really enjoyed fk twigs last album um that was a the huge in inspiration um sonically for me um yeah if I think of anything else in the next 30 seconds, I'll let you know. <laughs> or if you think of anything afterwards, we can add it into the uh, the quote-unquote liner notes. Usually yeah. usually people are going on their phone. What did I just listen to just now? And Yeah. yeah. But um, no, Story, thank you so, so much. Um, if people want to buy the deluxe edition of Chapter 3, The Come Up, uh, if people want to find out more about you, where where can they go? So people can still buy the original version of the album on my website. Um, I probably should have an option for people to just be able to buy it and download it on my website, the deluxe version, I mean, but there, I, I don't currently know. Does like iTunes still sell albums? I don't know. Greg, I, Greg, you're, you're an Apple person. What I don't know iTunes because I just use Apple music now. If I think about it, I haven't like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think they yeah. got rid of a lot of these options where people can buy the music on on the platforms. So I would just say like the best way to support the music is yes, great, stream it, um send it to your friends and family if you enjoy it, but um you know, check out the website. I'll be putting up, you know, any tickets for shows. There's merch